Good to see everybody here today, and uh, I think we're just getting so much closer to the holidays. It's hard to believe, isn't it? But uh, so good, and uh, we're just really thankful for what the Lord is doing and how really as we look forward to uh, the new year even already, we just see that, man, God, you're going to do some tremendous things. We're anticipating amazing things. How many know uh, God wants to do uh, better things next year than he did this year, amen? Right? I believe that with all my heart, so... Uh, also, just wanted to say, just thanks so much to really all the serve teams. Uh, when you come in, you come into the parking lot and come into the uh, church, and then of course when you you know if you take your children downstairs, and and then at the end of the service, everyone who just really makes you feel loved and welcome. I want to just say thank you to those people who serve and just give their time. Uh, we're so appreciative of that. Amen. Come on, how many of you just felt loved when you walked in, felt welcomed? Amen. I did, and I just felt good about that. And I love that, but how many know it's so important that we just continue to be the people of God, amen? And we just continue to show love for one another, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm working on that. I'm not perfected it. I'm still working on it, and uh, there's an old song that says, God's still working on me. I don't know about you, but God's still doing a work in me, and, and really just, uh, you know, just really just kind of expanding my heart just to love other people um, the way that he's loved me. And uh, I think that's really important when we worship God and we come in at God's house and say, Lord, I just want to love others the way that you had loved me. Amen. And how many know God loved you a lot? <laughs> some of you, God really, really, really went out of his way to extend some mercy. Amen. <laughs> and uh, you were kind of on the edge there. You were like, man, I'm just kind of the least uh, really of, of God's love. But how many are just thankful God really extended his mercy? Amen. And the Bible says that we need to do that to one another. And so when we come into church and in God's house, one of the things that we really just kind of make a focus is just really loving one another and showing the love of God, encouraging one another and building one another up because uh, we just don't know what everybody's going through, do we? And so it's important that we just do that. Amen. So, amen. I wonder if we can just open in a word of prayer and just let it open our hearts to the Lord this morning and uh, just that his word just kind of like does what it does best. Amen. And just work in us and work on us. Amen. And so, Lord, we just come before you today and we are so grateful. I don't have to wait for Thanksgiving to be thankful, Lord. I'm thanking you right now, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what we're going through, what we've been through, what you have in store for us, Lord. Thank you. As we sang today, your goodness really has just followed us all our lives. And even when we weren't serving you, Lord, we can look back and say, your hand was there. Your goodness was there. Your love was there. And I can see it, Lord. And I praise you for that. I worship you today, God. And Lord, as we get into your word, I'm, I'm just asking today that your word gets inside of me and it just does a work. Lord, the work that nobody else can do, nothing else can do, but it changes me for uh, all eternity. And I just thank you, Lord, that when your word comes in, Lord, I just want to just be open to it. And I just want to say, do what you want to do in me, Lord, through your word today. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, we shared last week out of Matthew chapter six, uh, Matthew chapter five, rather, and Luke chapter six on who is my enemies, who, who are my enemies, who are my enemies. And we shared on that and just shared uh, kind of the first half of that. And I said, well, it just really, there's a lot to it. We'll just wait for another week. And so we want to just kind of finish that up today and how many just, have you were here and you just heard the word, just kind of worked on you a little bit, and maybe there was an area or two you said, man, I kind of need to work on that. Anybody? Okay, just me and that other guy. That's great. Um, wow. 
All right, but anyway, so, and Jesus gives an amazing teaching here that really challenges us. And I believe that, again, as I said last week, I believe it's so relevant for today that the people of God make themselves um, separate in the sense of distinct um, by showing the love of God and being different and being uh, having the nature of God in this uh, society, in this culture. And there's just such an aggressive attitude today uh, towards a lot of things. And how many have noticed there's just, just an aggressiveness and just a kind of people are just a little bit more intense these days and aggressive. And I believe it's kind of the, the, the society we live in and the realm we live in. And, uh, you know, the further you get away from God, the further you get away from peace. The further you get away from joy. The further you get away from, from come on, from that, uh, really, just kind of that peace in life. And so I believe that, um, really, the Christians today need to really exemplify the nature of God, which is love, joy, and peace. Amen. How many can use some love, joy, and peace today? Well, God's Word's going to help us do that. I want to just talk to you today about who are my enemies. And look at, um, as we were looking at uh, Luke chapter 6, we saw that there were four responses to your enemies, as the Bible teaches us. And we talked about the first two, loving and blessing. Loving your neighbor, or loving your enemy and blessing your enemy. And that was, you know, pretty amazing. But then you go through and you look and there's another one there. Number three is Jesus taught us to pray for your enemies. How many have prayed for your enemies recently? How many have ever prayed for your enemies? How many have ever tried to pray for your enemies? It's, it's pretty challenging sometimes, isn't it? Uh, I don't know about you, but I might start off on blessing. I usually end up somewhere in cursing or something. I usually end there and, you know, where like, okay, Lord, they did me wrong. Do them dirty, please. Um, you know, but how many know the Bible teaches us to pray for our enemies? And so I just want to look at a few things today, principles about um, how we will respond to our enemies. And then another point today, uh, really, that will help us identify, not just identify how to react, but also how to live in um, really the teachings of Jesus when it comes to our enemies. And so the Bible says that we're to pray for our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It didn't just say pray for everybody and be nice. It said those who persecute you, those who attack you, those who are trying to hurt you, who want to see your hurt, who want to see you uh, get embarrassed and shamed, and those who have uh, you know, very little interest in you. Um, and so how many know the, that it's very hard to pray for people who don't like you? It's very hard to pray for people who want to see you hurt, and to see you in pain, to see you destroyed, to see you whatever. But how many know Jesus hung on the cross and he prayed for those who were persecuting him? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they're doing. When Stephen was being stoned in Acts chapter 7, as he's being stoned, with real stones, by the way, I mean, really, uh, you know, being, he, was, he was dying. And he prayed, Lord, don't put this to their charge. Lay not this to their charge. Don't consider this. Wow, what an amazing prayer. Would we pray that prayer? Would we pray that? Or would we pray, Lord, send your fire down right now. Send your angels of destruction and Michael, the warring angel, down and destroy all these people. Or would we pray, Lord, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they do? How many know that's challenging right there, to pray for your enemies? And possibly, as we said last week, the, 
probably the person in the scriptures, especially the Old Testament, aside from Jesus, the person in the Bible that would really teach us how to pray for enemies would be David. As David was sought after by King Saul and really, you know, after his life really and, and ran for his life. But there's a few principles here I just want to share with you about when we pray for enemies, how we can do that effectively. Number one, I believe we do that in humility. How many believe that you've got to humble yourself in order to pray for your enemies? And you know, humility is really a strength for a believer. Many people think, well, I can't humble myself. I mean, that's weakness. I mean, God wants me to be strong. Yeah, by humbling yourself, you are being strong. By humbling yourself before the Lord, come on, and before other people, how I many you know that's a sign of strength? That's, that's, our flesh says that's a sign of weakness. Man, if I, if I show weakness, people just walk all over me, take advantage. But Jesus teaches us to humble ourselves, doesn't he? And so when we pray and we come before the Lord, one of the key uh, factors of prayer is humility, isn't it? Amen. We don't come before the Lord in arrogance. We don't come demanding things from God. We come humbly. Well, when we pray for our enemies, we've got to use humility. And so uh, the Bible teaches us that we should pray for enemies without anger, without revenge, and without pride. I mean, you know, God doesn't fight for an arrogant person. God, the Bible says that he resists the proud, but gives grace to what? The humble. He gives grace. He elevates the humble. He elevates those who put themselves in that lower position. The Bible says he will lift you up. And so when we, uh, our enemies come against us and we're uh, to hurt us, as the Bible says, and attack us, how many know that we humble ourselves? And, 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 and that, that the principle that God really resists the proud is pretty important, isn't it? So when I come before the Lord, just because I have audience with God, just because I have grace to approach the throne of God, doesn't mean I have the right to come in pride. I don't come before the Lord in, in pride. I don't come in, a, in arrogance. How many know it's very, very difficult to approach the Lord in arrogance? <laughs> I don't believe that you can do that. And so the Lord doesn't really fight for people like that. He says, okay, now you're on your own. We'll see how good you do, right? But see, this is important because when we humble ourselves, it really helps us and teaches us how to respond to attacks and accusations. When you take a moment, I don't know if you're like me, I mean, I, I said, sometimes I have that really bad habit of reacting. How many of just, you just react before you think? You kind of speak before you think, you react. But you know, when we pray, it teaches us to take a moment and think about what we're getting ready to say or what we're getting ready to do. And so humility is that, really that response uh, trigger that says, okay, how am I supposed to respond in the proper way? And I believe that we need to learn how to respond to attacks and accusations. I, I think of Moses in this because Moses, after 40 years of going through the wilderness, it wasn't all peaches and cream. It wasn't all good. <laughs> There's so many times the Bible says that the children of Israel were murmuring, complaining, griping, ac accusing Moses, saying, Moses, you're an old guy, okay? You're the one. You, you think you got the Ten Commandments telling us how to live, right? You just brought us out here to die. <laughs> and the Bible records that every time the accusation came against Moses, the Bible says that him and Aaron fell on their face before the Lord. They didn't attack people. They didn't go out and, I'm going to go to the mountain, and I'm going to go get more Ten Commandments, and I'm going to, like, throw them down and destroy you again. I mean, you don't, you know, watch me. You know, I mean, just think about what Moses could have done with his authority, and he didn't. The Bible says that Isaiah and Hezekiah did the same thing. When attacks came against the children of Israel and the people of God, the first thing they did was fell on, fall on their face before the Lord. Amen. How many know that's a good practice? The Bible says it's hard to, to fall when you're on your face before the Lord. Amen. 
And so humility is an important thing. And I think of Jesus, how it says that when he was being accused falsely, he knew that he was being accused falsely. The Bible says he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a a lamb to the slaughter. He knew exactly what was going on, and yet he did not. uh, The Bible says he humbled himself, and he did not open his mouth. How many know that takes a lot of strength? takes a lot of courage to live that way. And so prayer helps us uh, live in that realm of being humble before the Lord and coming before the Lord and said, Lord, you see what's going on. You understand. So the second thing I, I think that prayer helps us, and we can take these lessons in prayer when we pray for our enemies, is patience. <laughs> patience. How many have ever read those prayers of David when he said, Lord, how long are you going to let my enemies rejoice over me? How long are you going to let my enemies laugh and mock? How long are you going to let my enemies succeed? How many know it really burns you up when you see your enemies or people that really are against you succeed? Isn't that bad? And then you go to the Lord in prayer, and God says, I'm going to answer that. And then they get even more blessed, even, come on, even more successful, even more strong. And you're like, God, don't you see what's going on here? Don't you understand who's in power? Don't you understand, Lord, I mean, I I know you know all things, but are you kind of like checking out this one? I mean, are you looking at this? And David said, Lord, do you not understand? Do you not see what's going on? How many have ever felt that? Lord, why are the wicked allowed? Why are people that are against you, why are they allowed to shake their fist at you and live? Why are people allowed to be uh, uh, really uh, uh, twisted and, and, and perverted? And, and, and how about, Lord, why are there so many people globally allowed to be wicked uh, leaders and abuse people and, and rob and steal from people, and yet you allow this? How can you allow this to go on? How many know prayer teaches us to be patient? Prayer teaches us, Lord, uh, I don't know, but I know you're doing something. I don't understand it, but how many believe the Lord sees everything? But it keeps us really patient. And when we pray for our enemies, I think it's important to have a plan of action. I think that the Lord really wants you to have a plan of action. And one of the things that we can do in our plan of action when we're praying for our enemies is like David, we can praise. We can come before the Lord with praise and thanksgiving and worship. Lord, I thank you today because even though I'm being attacked, I thank you, Lord, you got my back. I thank you that you're going to protect me. I thank you, Lord, because you see what's going on and you're going to handle this. Come on. Amen. And so I think the other thing is is that when we have this plan of action about praying for our enemies is it's important that we really kind of have this moment of reflection. Because, you know, the first thing we want to do is we want to fight, don't we? And then the second thing we want to do is we want to make sure that we're in the clear and that somebody else is wrong. We're not the ones that are wrong. Somebody else is wrong, right? I mean, they're the ones attacking me. So there's no way I'm really wrong in this situation. How many know prayer teaches us to take a look inside and say, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the one that needs to change. Maybe I'm the one that really has stirred things up and I've created some enemies. How many know the Bible really does? How many have been in prayer and the Lord just keeps talking to you about your attitude? How many have ever been in that prayer meeting, right? Right? And that's, that's kind of a, a really, that, that, that's a short prayer meeting. That, that gets kind of shortened real quick, you know. It's like, Lord, I'm just praying this and that and everything. And the Lord's like, yeah, but your attitude's wrong. You're the one that did this. You need to apologize. And you're like, you know what, Lord, it is getting late and I've got to go to work. But I'll tell you, we'll, we'll check back on this one, right? Right? But the Lord says that we need to reflect and we need to look inside. And, and then the fourth thing I think it's important is that in prayer, when praying for our enemies, is that we pray for protection. 
Lord, I ask you to protect me. Then people are coming against me. How many have ever prayed for protection for your kids and your family and your house? Lord, protect me from the enemy that's bringing, trying to bring sickness into my home. Protect me and my children from the enemy trying to bring uh, all these ungodly philosophies and ideas to my kids at a young age. Come on, protect them. How many know we need protection from the Lord? It's important that when we're praying for enemies, when we're praying, we need to pray for protection. Lord, protect us. Keep us safe. Lord, these people are, are attacking. They're, they're coming against me. I'm praying that you protect us. Protect my home. Protect my family. Protect our integrity. David prayed that many times. Lord, protect my integrity. Let my integrity be seen. Amen. Don't let it be tarnished, but in protect that. Amen. So that's important, isn't it? Psalms chapter 56 verse 9 says, when I cry out to you, Lord, then my enemies will turn back. Amen. This I know because God is for me. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Lord, I thank you that you're for me, not against me. And when I praise you, when I come to you in prayer, when I call out to you, Lord, you're going to cause those that are attacking me turned away. Amen. And, and that attack Amen, to be uh, done away with. And so I think that's important, isn't it? And so one of the things that we could talk about this for a long time, praying for enemies. But then the fourth thing, the response that we see that Jesus teaches us in Luke chapter 6 is to do good to your enemies. To give to your enemies. You know, I think, you know, as, as we think about this, as you're listening to this Sermon on the Mount with Jesus and all of a sudden he gets to this part, you're like, okay, uh, I can love my enemies Maybe, yeah, yeah, okay. Bless my enemies, that's a little bit of a stretch, God. And then he says, pray for them. Yeah, I don't know about that. And then he says, do good to them. And then you're like, mm, that really doesn't agree, right? And we're like, definitely not gonna happen, right? But Jesus teaches us that this is the way that we are to respond to our enemies is to do good to them. When people are actually doing evil, you're supposed to do the opposite to do good, right? Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Man, I don't know about you, but does that sound like something we would want to do right away? I don't think so. But it's in the Word, and we've got to do it. For you will heap burning coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, that's the part I get. I mean, you know, we, we, we ever skip to that part right there. All right, heaping coals of fire. That's what I'm going to pray right there. That's what needs to happen. But the Lord says that's not going to happen until you first respond with giving. When you first respond in an action of goodness, then the Lord said you'll heap coals of fire on somebody's head. Usually it's the other way around. We're like, we want the burn, we want the pain, and then maybe we'll think about doing something nice for them when they're on the ground, right? No, the Bible says that your action is going to release this feeling of shame. When we talk about that phrase, heap coals of fire on the head, that's not just taking a lighter to their hair. That what that is, is, is in ancient times, it was someone who was humbled or someone who had done something wrong had to carry coals of fire on their head as an act of repentance. That they were sorry for what they did. So this teaching right here that David's giving, or that Solomon's giving to his sons in Proverbs, he's saying, look, that you need to do good to your enemies. Do good as they give you evil. You're supposed to give them good. And what's going to happen is it should bring them to a place or hoping that it will bring them to a place of repentance. How many know the Bible says the goodness of God leads to 
repentance. Did God wait for you to repent before he was good to you? No. He was good to you, and because of his goodness, it led you to repentance. Amen. And so this whole principle of good for evil is so powerful. You are not to exchange evil for evil. You are to exchange good for evil. You are to give good for someone who's giving you evil. Wow, isn't that amazing? That really goes against our nature. And this is what the Bible's saying is that we are to, that good for evil, the whole principle, it's part of forgiveness and compassion. If you want to move in compassion, then you move in the opposite spirit. Someone that hates you, you've got to move in love, right? The Bible says that a soft answer turns away anger. Amen. So we've got to change good for evil. And so we see these four responses about Really, how respond to our enemies and those that don't like us and hate us. But then, not only that, but a very important principle, I think, I just wanted to share with you today about this, is that we have to understand that God's going to fight for you. How many believe God's got your back? Amen. I want, I want you to say amen like you believe God's got your back. How many know God's going to fight for you? Your ba- the battle is not your battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. He declared that back in the Old Testament. He still declares that today. God's got your back. God's going to fight for you. People can, uh, can come against you all you want, but how many, how many know God's got my back? God understands. He knows what's going on in my life. He sees people, what they're, what they're saying, what they're doing. He understands that. And when you're attacked or you're persecuted and people want your hurt and want to see you uh, in a pain, how many know God's got your back? God's got your back. The Bible says he's not going to allow things, too much stuff to come on you that you can't handle. He's got your back. He understands the temperature in your life. He knows how much you can take, and he, he knows how much you, he's going to give you. He just knows. And so we have to understand that God's got my back. God has got this fight for me. Amen. People are coming, and they're accusing me and attacking me, and they just can't stand me for whatever reason, and they just want to see me dead. How many know God's got my back? And we've got to just really be confident in that today, amen, that when people come against us for whatever reason, whether it's just being a Christian or doing what's right, amen, and they just don't, they just don't like us, amen, I believe that God's going to fight for us. I believe that God's going to defend us, amen. If you've done the right thing and you've tried to really live right and you've held a good name, as the Bible says, a good reputation, I believe God's going to defend that. I believe God's going to stick up for you. How many believe that, Amen. How many have ever had a friend that stuck up for you? How many loved that friend? How many gave that friend money? Yeah, yeah, your lunch, whatever it took, because this guy was going to fight for me. I'll never forget being in the fourth grade, and this kid by the name of Eddie Bauer, who was just the toughest kid in the class, never really talked to anybody, but everybody knew this kid could beat us all up right now in one punch. All of us, knock us out. And this kid was just young, but he was tough, and i never forget, I was just, and one time, Walking home, and I'm going to go in from Burger King. We used to go to Burger King, and you go in there, and you can get a free prize or whatever you can get. And I think I saved a couple of my quarters and got French fries or whatever. And this kid, this one bully came, and he took my French fries, and he began to kind of punch me and wrestle me down. And out of nowhere, out of nowhere, this kid went flying across the yard. And I heard this sound like punching and crying. And I, I kind of opened my eyes and looked, and here's Eddie on top of this kid pounding him. Right? And then I'm like, you're my new best friend. Right? Superhero Eddie. Wow. And so I realized, wow, it's so awesome when someone's got your back, when someone defends you, right? And how many know God's the same way? Amen. When the enemy comes in one way, he's got to flee seven because God's got your back. 
Amen. When he brings an accusation and a lie and attack, amen, how many know God is going to defend you? Amen. And so you've got to be settled on that today. 2 Samuel, David wrote this in 2 Samuel and he recorded this and he said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. I'm going to call on God. I'm going to give God praise and he's going to defend me. In verse 49 it says that God delivers me from my enemies. He'll also lift me up above those who rise against me and Lord, the Lord is going to deliver me from violent people. Violent situations, the Lord has got my back. And we love to sing it and quote it. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Amen. How many know we love to sing that and get that old Fred Hammond song out when someone is accusing us, right? And especially someone we don't like in church and they're like, think they're better than us and everything. And we're just going to sing it. We're going to kind of look their direction. No weapon formed against me, sister, is going to prosper, right? I don't know, no, but that song was about the enemy. It was about the devil. It was about, amen, the principalities and, and uh, all the, the forces of the unseen that are against you. The Bible says that no weapon is going to work. Amen. I love that. Hallelujah. I love in Psalms chapter 23, one of the things that David gave us a tremendous revelation about how God has defends us and has he got our back. The Bible says that in the Psalm 23, he said that he will make a table for me. He will spread a table before me in front of my enemies. I love that. How many love that? Amen. How many believe that God's going to bless you in the midst of persecution? God's going to bless you in the midst of an attack. Amen. And he's going to not just do that. He's going to do it in front of your enemies. I love this uh, story and this account because really what it means is it speaks of a tremendous feast. God is going to make a tremendous feast for me in the midst of my enemies. Now, what does that really mean? Well, what it means is when in a battle, in a time of war, um, you know, if you won the war, that was a time to feast. That was a time that you took up a break, like days and days or weeks, and you just celebrated the whole time, right? But, you know, God doesn't wait until the battle is over. He wants you to celebrate in the midst of, of the battle. Amen. And in the midst of fighting and persecution and the battle, when the enemy is raging, God says it's time to get the victory feast out. It's time to get all the promises of God defending you and begin to quote those and sing those and declare those over your situation. How many believe God spreads out a table, amen, in front of your enemies? He says it's time to celebrate even when you're being persecuted, amen, and that's what that means. And so I believe that God will strengthen you and give you wisdom and grace. When David faced his, literally his biggest enemy, Goliath, what, what are the things that we see that David's testimony was about? He said, God gave me the strength to fight the lion and the bear. This guy is a piece of bread. I mean, this, this guy's nothing, right? And so we can say with confidence that God has given us that strength. God has given us that wisdom, and God is going to fight for us. God is going to do the work through us or for us. Amen. Hallelujah. I love that. And we always love those stories in the Old Testament where, uh, like, like the, the armies that came against Israel, and, and so God said, listen, all you got to do is you go to sleep, and in the middle of the night, the angel's going to come down and is going to wipe out all these people, right? How I many of you, that's pretty cool, right? To go to sleep, wake up, everybody's dead, get the gold, head out, right? I mean, that's what they did. And so, I mean, I love that. And that's a perfect principle of how God defends us. He wants us to be able to take rest in the situation, knowing that he's got our back. Amen. Hallelujah. So I love that about the Lord. And so that key is really trusting and obeying him if we want God to fight for us. Second thing that's very important about this is that 
uh, to understand about our enemies and how we are to respond and, and, and God really fighting for us is retaliation is not for you. <laughs> You've got to understand that retaliation is not something you're supposed to be involved with. Retaliation was never, is never designed for the believer to, to step into. That's not given to you. That's not your authority. That's not your role. That's not your, your really, your right, really. That's up to the Lord. How I many know retaliation is up to God? That, that's an important principle to understand when we talk about our enemies. Because we love to do this. Listen, okay, fine, tack me. Guess what? God's going to get your kids, okay? Right? All that. But retaliation is not up to us. It doesn't belong to us. Listen to the scripture in Romans chapter 12. We read it last week. I'm going to read it this week. Romans chapter 12, verse 14, 17, and 19. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, saith the Lord. How many have ever used that one? Vengeance belongs to me, right? How many love? We are a society and a people, amen, that we love to see revenge. Amen. In fact, the flesh, you know, as the Bible talks about the flesh in Galatians chapter 5, one of the things that, about the flesh is the, the, our flesh always wants to, to see, it always wants to revel in somebody else's pain. It always wants to seek vengeance and, and, and we need to be vindicated and, and, and we just want to justify these things. We, we want to see that. I don't know about you, but in our flesh, there's a, just, just a little bit in our flesh, there's a little bit, uh, every one of us has a little bit of dirty hairy, right? You know what I'm talking about? A guy that's going to go around, man, and he's just going to seek vengeance, man. You, you know, you're, you're that you know, original guy who's just, and we love those movies. In fact, so much of our movies are based on revenge and retaliation. We love that, right? Because that's part of, you know, our nature is just like, we got to get these people back. Like, you know what, they, they burn your house down, they took your horses, they did all this, you know, like, like so many of those old movies, you know, and, but you're going to get vengeance, right? You're going to come back and you're going to, in the end, and it, it, it's just, it's, it's going to be awesome. Like, you're going to get vengeance and it's going to be amazing. In fact, a good movie is all about vengeance, and so we love that because it's really in our, our flesh. But as a Christian, retaliation is forbidden. <laughs> did you know that? Well, I punched him because he punched me. Well, you know, the Bible says that retaliation is just kind of forbidden for us. And I think that it's important that um, we understand that, that, that God says here, I'm going to repay. I'm going to repay. Yeah, yeah, Lord, I think you will. No, we have to trust the Lord. And he says he's going to repay. He's going to repay. How many have ever known that from the Lord, that when you've been on the wrong side of that? How many have ever said that in your testimony? You've been on the wrong side of God's payment plan. <laughs> How many have ever, you did something against somebody, you did something, and you have really, you, you were able to say, I, I've, I was able to reap what I sowed. I mean, it wasn't good. I mean, I, I did a lot of bad things, and I, I paid for it. How many have ever said that? I mean, I, you know, I mean, it wasn't all good. I mean, God really had to really teach me some things. And so I, I feel that the Lord will do that. And we have to really leave that in the hands of God. It's important to trust the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my enemies that you're going to repay. Vengeance belongs to you. You're the one that's in charge of that. You're the one that really controls that. Because really, if I get into that and I get involved with that, then I start moving in hatred and anger. And I begin to kind of play God a little bit. And I begin to, it actually becomes witchcraft. I start wanting to curse people and see people destroyed. And come on, how many know that's not good? That's not a good spirit. Amen. 
So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15, it says the same thing. It says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do good, what is good for each other and everyone else. Listen to this. I love this scripture in Proverbs 20, verse 22. It says, do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong. Wait for the Lord. He will avenge you. Amen. Come on. And so I believe that, you know, it's really, it's in, in God's hands to bring curses to people and on lives or situations and systems of this world. It, it's, that's God's right. That's in God's wheelhouse, not mine. And so one of the things I got to be careful of is that I'm moving in that area that I'm not supposed to be wanting, that I'm seeking vengeance. I want revenge. I want them to pay for what they did. I want them to hurt like they hurt me. How many know that's not God's spirit? He says that you need to do good to them that persecute you. Pray for them, bless them, love them, and then let the Lord deal with your enemies. How many know that can be very hard to wait for? That can be very hard to do, but nevertheless, the Bible says we need to do it. Is it okay? I thought about this myself. Is it okay to rejoice over your enemies' <laughs> defeat? Is it okay to shout and dance about you know, your enemies being defeated? Well, David did it, Right? I mean, and Hannah did it, you know, and so many other peoples did it. I mean, they just rejoiced over their enemies. But here's the key, is you don't rejoice over people's destruction and pain. You rejoice in God's victory. You rejoice in his mercy. You rejoice in what he did. You don't rejoice in, finally, they're paying for it. Finally, they're hurting like I did. No, you rejoice in, Lord, finally, you, got, you made a way. Finally, you took the pressure off. Finally, you did something about my situation. Lord, I rejoice in your victory. Come on, somebody. I mean, you know, that's important, isn't it? Amen? And I, I believe that one of the things that we see that Hannah, as I mentioned in, in 1 Samuel, she was a, a woman that, and Rose really promised a child, and she went around telling her, I'm going to have a child. And after a while, she didn't have a child. She was barren, the Bible says, and God promised her she would. And so everybody mocked her and made fun of her. And she was every, all her other friends and all the other people were having babies and families. And here she was going around, oh, you were promised one, and you don't have a baby yet? Like, you know, and they mocked her, the Bible says. And so Hannah's response, when God finally gave her a child and God kept his promise, this is what she said. She said in verse uh, 1 of chapter 2, she said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in God's salvation. Amen? So we rejoice in what God did. We rejoice in how God handled the situation. Amen? And so we don't just go around uh, knocking on people's houses. Ha ha, you know, how how do you like it now? Do you you like feeling this way now? You made fun of me for a long time. Do you like feeling this way? How many of the Lord says, let God do that? (laughs) Let God do that. Let God pay back. Let God, let, let him handle that. Amen. Hallelujah. Because ultimately, we want people's heart to change and turn to the Lord. Amen. We don't want to see people's destruction. That should be our heart. Ultimately, we don't really want to see people go to hell, do we? Amen. Should I ask that again? Do we? <laughs> no, do we? No, we don't. Because that should, our heart should be that we're to save everybody and everybody needs to be saved. And if God's wrath is poured out on somebody, if God's judgment is poured out, leave that to him. Amen. Let him repay the evil that people do against us. We're not going to do that. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that um, it is possible to have enemies and it is possible to rejoice but not over other people's pain. And it is possible, amen, to believe that God wants me to, to do good to my enemies and to pray for them and bless them and love them. And, you know, I just want to throw this out that it's one thing to have enemies. It's another thing to make enemies. 
Nowhere in Scripture does it, does it justify or vindicate anybody for going around and provoking people to anger and hatred. Hello? Well, I've got a lot of enemies. Yeah, you've made a lot. That's not the principle of that. The principle of this is you're not going, you know, God's not going to vindicate that. God's not going to promote that. The Bible does not uh, kind of promote this kind of behavior that says, I'm going to go around and provoke other people to anger and hatred. How many know we should provoke other people to love and good works? That's, that's our goal. Our goal is if people don't like you for what you do and you do it in the right heart and the right spirit, that's up to them. But I'm not going to go around causing people to hate me Amen, because I'm nasty to them, because I'm negative, because, come on, because I'm just going around making enemies. I, I know a lot of Christians, they, they just pride themselves on, hey, people don't like me, and I don't care. And I just like, like going around making enemies. How many know that's not the spirit of Jesus? Amen. In fact, Jesus didn't go around making enemies. He went out reaching out to his enemies, including us. Amen. Aren't you glad, right? And so I believe that as we look at this lesson, and, and we can talk about a lot of things, but loving our enemies, Lord, that just challenges us so much. Lord, it just, it, you know, just to be able to love somebody that hates me, I mean, that, that is just, it take, how many know that takes the Holy Ghost? That takes the Spirit of God to do that. That takes a renewed heart and mind to be able to do that. But how many can lift your hand to heaven and say, Lord, I'm going to try this week. I'm, I'm going to really work on this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love my enemies. I want to I wanna pray for people that hate me. I mean, Lord, teach me to pray prayers about people that hate me. <laughs> wow, think about it. I don't know about you, but your prayers need to get a little longer now. And maybe that prayer time will be a little better now. I don't know about you, but maybe you'll look forward to that opportunity to pray for those and bless those who are already against you, who are already wicked, who are already against God, and say, Lord, teach me to pray, bless, give, and love those who don't love me. Amen. How many believe that? Can we stand on our feet today? I just want to share a couple things before we leave today. I can just see it now, people going to the grocery store looking for people that don't like them. Get this to practice on them, right? Cut people off and just, and do you hate me now? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you though. You know, how many know we're not going to do that, but amen. But how many know you just can't avoid this? This is going to happen. I believe it's going to happen because you live right, you make right decisions, you're honest, you're integral, you're godly, people aren't going to like it. I mean, no, you, you stand for righteousness. People don't like it. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are you when people persecute you for righteousness sake. So in other words, you got to stand up for righteousness in order for people not to like you for righteousness. But I believe that there's an important two things I want to just leave with you about this, about loving your enemies and how the, the Lord has our back. But re retaliation is not for us. Why? Because I believe there's two things. Number one, your heart is more important. What happens on the inside of you is more important than getting back at somebody. What happens to you inside? How many know God is more concerned about what happens in you than what happens to you? He can handle what happens to you, but what happens in you, that's your decision. That's your choice. And so I believe it's important that to understand your heart is important. Proverbs 24, 17 says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Don't let your heart be glad when he stumbles. How many know because something on the inside can become rotten? when you rejoice at people's destruction of their hurt. How I many know that's not a good heart? It's not a good sign. And you know, after all the revenge and all the vindication, all getting back at people, how I many know you really don't feel good about yourself? You still feel empty. You, feel, you still feel the, the lingering pain of anger. You don't, it just doesn't feel good. When you finally release that, that, 
those words at people that you've thought about and you wanted to get back at them and you waited for the right moment and they just opened the door and it's like, I'm just gonna unleash, just verbally abuse them. That I mean, I just totally put them down because I've waited so long. How many know something doesn't feel right about that? It just doesn't feel good after you do that. It doesn't feel good after you seek vengeance. And you know, karma may be real, but it's not Christian. How many know that? Karma may be a real thing, you know. How many have ever done, I've, I've watched a video about karma, you know, people who cut people off and then they get in an accident, karma, right? How many know it may be real, but it's not Christian, <laughs> amen, it's just not Christian, and so we just need to just really walk before the Lord this week and say, Lord, help me keep my heart right, that's really important, isn't it? How many know whatever you go through, your heart is important? When you go through a pain, a painful situation, or you go through a hard situation, it's not really what happens to you, really all the things that go around. It's just really what happens on the inside of you that really matters. Because how many know you can go through a difficult situation, and if you've got praise and prayer and worship, adoration and thanksgiving, you're going to come out a victor. You're going to come out victorious. But if you just got hate and anger and, and all kinds of frustration and, and all those things, you don't come out better. Amen. I, I believe the test gets longer because of it. Amen. So keep your heart right, the Bible says. And lastly, it's important that we wait until the end. Wait until the end. Wait it out. Let your faith outlast your enemy's persecution. Let your faith outlast any persecution from the devil, any persecution from any person. Let your faith outlast that. Stand strong in the Lord. Let your joy be strong. Come on, let your prayer be strong. Outlast the enemy. Outlast your enemy through your faithfulness to God. Amen. Why? Because it's important that you understand that in the end, God will repay. Notice what it says here in Matthew 5 and Luke 6. It speaks of a reward. Did you notice that? It says, you have your reward. How many know that's in the end? You don't get a reward first. You don't get a gold medal first. You have to race first. You have to strive first. You have to work first. Then you get the reward, right? So Jesus said, let your actions be displayed. Let your response to your enemies come out. Let it be displayed, put into action, and then there's a reward. Wait until the end. Let them, let them just carry on. Let people who are godless carry on. Let them shake their fist at the Lord. Let them, let them uh, persecute you. Let them, let them just do what they do. But in the end, God's going to have the last say. In the end, God's going to have the last working. In the end, God's going to have the last laugh. In the end, God is going to be the one standing. Amen. If you're faithful, God will see to it that your faith outlasts your enemies. Amen. Wait until the end. Just wait until the end. Isn't that important, isn't it? The Bible says that don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you don't give up. Wait until the end. Notice he gives these responses. We call them responses to our enemies. Love, blessing, praying, giving. What also are they? Their fruit, their results, their impact. You can have the fruit of love. Do you believe that? You can have the fruit of blessing, the fruit of praying, the fruit of giving to your enemies. That's going to come back to you. That blessing is going to come back to you. That prayer is going to come back to you. Come on, somebody. That love is going to come back to you. That, that giving is going to come back to you. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, running over. Will, it, will other people give back to you? That comes back to you, doesn't it? So wait until the end. When you feel that people are attacking you, they don't like you for any reason, I didn't do anything to them, they're just crazy and they're, they're just, they hate me without a cause, wait until the end. Let God deal with their heart. 
You just continue to do what you need to do, what God's called you to do. Give and let that feeling of being ashamed come on them. Don't you try to put that on somebody else. Let God deal with people's hearts. Isn't that very hard? But isn't it possible? Isn't that God? Let God work on people. Let God deal with people. And so today we're going to leave um, with kind of this prayer in our heart. Amen. Today. We want to pray uh, before we leave today that we just really kind of, God, give us grace to endure. Give us that grace to endure. Give us the mercy to forgive. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit to fight the good fight of faith against the enemy that's attacking us, the spiritual wickedness that's against us and stacking the deck against us. Come on, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit to fight the good fight of faith. Give us victory today. I want to pray that over your life today. Give us victory today. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you promise us victory when we do things your way. Jesus, I praise you because you won the victory for me at Calvary. You showed me that you have my back when you died on the cross and you beat sin and death and hell in the grave for me. You showed me that you're going to be my victor. You showed me how to respond to my enemies, Lord. And I thank you for that today, Lord. I have your nature, and I want to I act that same way and respond that same way. It's not easy, but I need your grace. I pray for grace to respond today. Grace, that strength to respond, that wisdom to respond, the grace to endure. And I pray for mercy to forgive, mercy to respond, mercy to act the way that Jesus would act in this situation. Lord, give me that mercy. Lord, help me see people's hearts, not their actions, but what's down on the inside. Why are they acting out the way they are? Why are they doing that, Lord? Help me pray for them. Help me pray for the root of the problem, not the, the, just the, what I see on the outside. Lord, I, I know they're cursing and they're, they're acting obnoxious and ridiculous, but what's going on in the inside? Give me that insight. Lord, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to fight the good fight of faith. Give me, Lord, continue to just fill me with your spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that you said that I have been armed and I have been equipped to fight, Lord, to spiritual wickedness in high places and to bring down strongholds, Lord, and to pray for sickness and disease and see it healed and resolved in Jesus' name. You've given me that power. I pray you continue to move on me with the power of the Holy Spirit to fight the good fight of faith. And Lord, lastly, we pray for victory. Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, give the victory, Lord. Lord, the breakthrough that Brother Micah talked about, the, Lord, the end result, the, the breakthrough of breakthroughs, Lord, I pray for victory today. I'm not a victim, Lord. I am a victor through Jesus Christ. And I can conquer through Jesus Christ my circumstances, my situation, and even what society is, Lord, pushing. I pray, Lord, you would bring us to a place of victory and celebration in Jesus Christ today. We just pray these things in your powerful, matchless name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen.